Well, you remember uh, several weeks ago, we uh, concluded our study of the book of uh, 2 Thessalonians. And I decided uh, once we concluded that study, in light of the My Hope evangelistic uh, campaign coming up in a couple of weeks or this next week, uh, to focus on the area of evangelism and, uh, for several messages. We are very, very excited about the uh, My Hope emphasis that begins next Sunday. This coincides with uh, Billy Graham's 95th birthday. And uh, for those of you that are not familiar, maybe some of our guests, uh, there were a number of individuals in our church and uh, couples who committed uh, to be what we call Matthews. And a Matthew uh, developed a list of uh, friends and neighbors and uh, co-workers, fellow students that they were concerned did not know the Lord Jesus Christ. And as they developed that list, they began to pray daily for them. As they prayed daily for them, asking God, give me the opportunity to strengthen my relationships with these individuals. And uh, again, looking for those opportunities and seizing those uh, chances. And then uh, uh, if they have not already done so, uh, this next week, they will actually then invite those individuals to their home next week uh, for dessert. Uh, somewhere I know are providing a, a meal. I know Rita Bice, uh, she's doing a full-blown meal. She's inviting some of the international uh, soldiers, uh, guys in the military, Carl, that come to Benning for training, but they're uh, with other countries. She's inviting a number of them to her house. Uh, so the Matthews invite the individuals to their home for a dessert or light snack or, or a meal, and, uh, and then they share with them a powerful uh, video presentation of the gospel that's been produced by the Graham Association called uh, The Cross. And a matter of fact, that will be broadcast, if you want to write this down, it will be broadcast locally here in Columbus uh, on Friday, November the 8th, at 7.30 on the local ABC affiliate. So Friday, November the 8th, 7.30, the local ABC affiliate. The Matthews, they're using, uh, most of them are using DVDs. Uh, you can da- download the presentation from your, uh, uh, into your computer or other devices. So we're very, very excited about that. And so uh, please be praying uh, over the next couple of weeks for uh, that effort. Now let me just do a quick review of last Sunday's message because uh, I think it's important to see the connection between what we talked about last Sunday and what we're going to talk about this Sunday, which is reaching people for Christ by building relationships with lost people. Uh, Last week, we focused on the invitation that Christ extended to Peter and Andrew, an invitation that he still extends today. Follow me and I will make you what? fishers of men. And uh, in that one invitation, uh, we see God's plan for our lives, God's purpose for our lives, and God's empowerment or God's promise for our lives. And what is God's plan for your life and my life as a Christian? It's summed up in those first two little words of that invitation, follow me. That's the simplest, simplest definition of of an authentic Christian. He's a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the last week we began to look at what it means to follow Jesus. And we saw first it means uh, to trace my life after Christ. First uh, Peter chapter 2, verse 21, it says what? He is your example and you are to follow in His steps. 
Uh, Romans 8, 29, from the paraphrase, the message says, God decided from the very outset uh, to shape the lives of those who love Him along the same lines of His Son. We see the original and intended shape of our lives there in Him, in Jesus Christ. And we talked about the fact that the Jesus we communicate to others is not the Jesus we talk about, but it's the Jesus who we follow, the Jesus whose life we live out. That the best argument for Christianity is what? Christians, when they're truly following Christ and knowing the joy and the fulfillment and satisfaction that can be found in that relationship with Christ. But the greatest argument against Christianity is also Christians. Uh, when we are not walking in His power, not walking in His love and joy, and when we are walking in hypocrisy and a superficial commitment. And then we saw that to follow Jesus also means to turn away from all other distractions. Jesus said in Luke 9, verse 62, anyone who lets himself be distracted from the work I plan for him is not fit for the kingdom of God. And we looked at three key issues that often distract us from God's work. We looked at greed, we looked at guilt, and we looked at good things that can rob us from doing the most important things in life. And then we made two very, I believe, significant uh, applications to this matter of following Jesus Christ. Uh, The first one being that before there can be a credible verbalization of the gospel, there must be a clear what? Visualization of the gospel through our lives. And then the second thing is the devil really does not care If your life is filled with bad things or good things, as long as you become distracted from the one thing God left you here on earth to do, and that is what? To fish for men, uh, to make Christ known uh, to others. And then, of course, we saw the importance of tuning in on Jesus, maintaining Him as our goal and focus. And then what's God's purpose in my life? His plan is for me to follow Him to trace my life after Him, turn away from all distractions, stay tuned in on Jesus. What's His purpose? That follow me and I will make you a what? Fisher of men. God's purpose for every believer, every follower, is to make them a fisher of men. And what does it mean to be a fisherman? It means that you commit your life to catch people for Jesus. You remember uh, we saw that uh, account... Uh, where uh, Jesus was in uh, Peter's boat, and they had that miraculous drought of fish. And you remember how Paul, we talked about that, how Peter became convicted, fell down at Jesus' feet, you know, depart from me, for I'm a sinful man. And Jesus looked at Peter and said, Peter, don't fear. You know, I know you're eaten up with uh, your sense of inadequacy and your deficiencies and your failures, but hey, trust me, from now on, you're going to be catching men because that's what I'm going to lead you uh, to do. And we we talked about what that means, to be a fisher of men, to catch people for Jesus. It means to share with those in my world. Remember when Jesus uh, brought the demoniac to conversion and uh, not only uh, cleansed him of his sin, but broke the power of sin to give him new life in Jesus. And remember the demoniac wanted to follow Jesus. He wanted to literally stay in his uh, uh, intimate presence and uh, go wherever Jesus would go. But Jesus told him what? Return to your house. You know, go back to your home. Go back to your family and describe what great things God has done for you. 
So that's where we begin. We share with those that are in our world. But we can't stop there. We're to dare to reach beyond our world. Uh, God often will push us out of our comfort zone, as Carl mentioned in his testimony, what God did to that uh, uh, young man uh, there and how God greatly used him. Jeremiah 1 says, go wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you and don't be afraid of people, for I will tell you I will be with you and I will take care of you. And then we're also what? To care about the whole world. Uh, Acts 1.8. He says, you shall be my witnesses where? In uh, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost part of the world. And we talked about the bait that we use is what? Our testimony. The difference that Jesus makes in our life as we have the opportunity to express that to others. And then what's God's promise to me? This is where we ended last week. God's plan is for me to follow Jesus. God's purpose is that as I follow him, I will become a fisher of men. God's promise is what? That he will empower me. That It says what? Follow me and what? I will make you. Notice Jesus is assuming the responsibility that he has the ability to make you a fisher of men. Despite your fears, despite your inadequacies, despite your deficiencies. And we looked at that verse out of Luke 5, 4. And again, back to that incident uh, when uh, he had that encounter with Peter in his boat uh, where Jesus said, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. And there's the formula. Put out into the deep water. Go where God sends you, realizing God is often going to take you out of your comfort zone. He's going to take you somewhere you've never been before. And it is going to be scary. And you are going to be overcome with a sense of inadequacy. But, he, but then he said, let down your nets. Do what God tells you. Despite your fear, despite your inadequacy, step out in faith. And then for a catch, because God will empower you. Now, that's, that's a review of last week. Follow me. And I will make you a fisher of men. That's God's plan. That's God's purpose. That's God's promise for your life. Now, this morning, in the brief time that we have, I want us to look at reaching people for Christ by building relationships with lost people. And I uh, hope you uh, picked up a copy of the sermon notes. And look at that introductory statement uh, there. The key to effective evangelism is a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. We talked much about that last week in that first point, to follow Jesus. Before I can pray, Lord, save this person I'm concerned about or I'm praying for, I must pray what? Lord, change me so that they will see Jesus in me. But equally important is to be intentional. And that is a key word in this message this morning. Equally important as my personal relationship with Jesus Christ is to be intentional. And again, circle that word, underline it several times, to be intentional in growing relationships with lost people in order to gain a hearing for the gospel. And Christ's example in Philippians 2 verses 3 through 8 provides the pattern for effective relational evangelism. You know, one of the interesting things that we've discovered with the My Hope emphasis, and as we've enlisted Matthews, and I have not heard this just from one or two or three, but for many of our Matthews, uh, I admit admit it's been a challenge for me. You, uh, you, You commit to an emphasis like this, and then you realize, you know, I don't have many lost friends. You know, about the only people I do rub shoulders with are are believers. And, 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 then, and then we begin to realize, you know, 
this is something that's not going to happen unless I become intentional to make it happen as I follow Jesus and the purpose He has for me to be a fisher of men. So I want us just to focus on these verses out of Philippians 2 as, again, a pattern uh, for relational evangelism. And that passage simply reads this way. It says, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind that each of you regard one another more important than himself. Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but look to the interest of others. And then that exhortation, it's based on the example of Jesus Christ. He says, have this attitude in you that was also in Christ Jesus, who although he existed in the very form of God, he did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking upon himself the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient, even to the point of death on a cross. So look in your notes there at that first point, and this is where it begins with effective relational evangelism. I have to think different. That's where it's going to begin. I have to begin to think different about what it means to be a Christian and what it means to be the church. In other words, let's go back to last week. If being a Christian means to follow Jesus Christ each and every day, then being a Christian has much more than it has much more to do than just make a, de- a decision. We're talking about what a lifestyle that's going to impact my life, the way I look at life, the way I think about life, the way I respond and react in life situations. It's not just about coming to church; it's about what being the church. In other words, whether it's the, the Christian individual Christian or whether it's the corporate church family, the church body, we're to walk as He walked. We're to be as He is. We are to do what He did. That which was important to Him is to be important to us. Look at verses 3, 4, and 5 there in your sermon notes. It says, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility or lowliness of mind. Let each of you regard One another is more important than himself. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now, notice I put three key words in your notes that you find in that text. The word regard, the word important, the word look. And uh, there in parentheses, that's, that's the Greek word there that you find in the Greek text. And let me just tell you what these three words mean, and then let's apply them to effective relational evangelism. The word regard means to let lead or to let command. Now, this is talking about what? The way we think. I'm to let lead. I'm to let, I'm to, in my mind, what? That others are more what? Important than I am. And that word important uh, in the Greek text literally could be translated uh, superior or commander. A matter of fact, I think I alluded to this passage uh, some weeks ago in a uh, message, one of the messages on 2 Thessalonians. And we said the fascinating thing is both of these words uh, in uh, New Testament times was, uh, were, were, was used in the military community. 
Again, that word regard, let lead, and the word important, your superior, your commander. So I'm to let lead in my mind that others are more important than me, and the word look, that I'm not to look to my own interest, but look to the interest of others. That word simply means that which becomes the focus and the goal of my life. Now, don't miss this, folks. The heart of this passage is built on the example of Christ. The heart of this passage is talking about the incarnation of Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ, because he considered you more important than himself, his own welfare, he was willing to leave heaven's glories and come to this sin-cursed world as a man. Why? Because his focus was on you. You were the goal of his life. You were the goal of his heart. He made that, he made that a choice because of your importance to him, because of his love for you, because he considered your eternal soul more important than himself, he was willing to leave, become a man, die that humiliating death on the cross that you might come to know Jesus Christ. Now, look at the application. The application is simple. We're called to follow Jesus. We're called to be as he is, to think as he thinks. So the application, humility of mind, is choosing to think like Christ, which is the the salvation of lost people, is the primary focus and goal of my life here on earth. The implications of this is absolutely staggering when you think about it. Here I am, a believer. I know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Now I've been called to follow Jesus Christ. I am called to walk as he walked, to think as he thought, to live as he lived, to do as he did. And it's very obvious if I'm going to take following him seriously, then I'm going to have to choose. It's going to have to be deliberate. It's going to have to be intentional that the salvation of lost people is to be the primary focus and the goal of my life here on earth. Look at those next verses, just to drive this home. Luke 19, 10, talking about Jesus. For the Son of Man has come. Why did he come? To seek and save that which was what? Lost. Mark 10, 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and what? To give his life a ransom for many. And then look at the application, John 17, 18. Praying for his followers, not only his disciples, but all those that would follow afterwards. He says, as thou didst send me into the world, I have also sent them into the world. If you are a believer, that's Christ's heart and intention for you. That you would be sent into this world even as he was sent to follow him, to become a fisher of men. Now, again, do you understand if we would take this seriously, the impact it would have? For example, I would suddenly realize I'm at my place of employment, not just to make money and to earn a living, but that's my fishing pond. God sovereignly placed me there to have an impact on the lost people within that little community. Or, for example, my neighborhood. I'm not just in that neighborhood 
as a place to live, as a place to reside, a place where I have my meals and where I sleep. No, God has placed me there, and that neighborhood certainly has become my fishing pond. I need to begin to think like Jesus Christ, that the people that live around me, they are more important than Andy Merritt. And I am to choose to put my focus on them, that the goal of my life is to do whatever I can to reach them for Jesus Christ. Or say, you students are in school. You're not just there to get an education. God has placed you there. Or you're in a sports team. God has placed you there sovereignly to have an influence, to have an impact, to draw others to the Lord Jesus Christ. Or or even parenting. Think about the impact this would have on parenting if we would shape our minds and our thoughts along these lines. I begin to have children. Now, it's not just to raise them to be good citizens. It's not just me being concerned that they stay away from alcohol and drugs and and other destructive behaviors. No, now I'm thinking, how can I raise these little ones to be instruments in the hands of God to have a positive impact on our world for the honor and glory of God to bring others to Jesus? See, this, if if we would, and, and it's, and again, What's the key word in this message? Intentional. That's where it begins. It's a choice that you make. It is a choice. If you never make the choice to become intentional, if you never make the choice to be deliberate, it's never going to happen. And so, because I'm a follower of Christ, because I desire to please Him and honor Him because He's worthy of all of that and more, I choose This is the way I'm going to start thinking. And God, yes, you're going to have to help me. But I need to get out of my little world. See, the problem we have in the United States of America, we have so dumbed down Christianity, it's all about me. It's all about my little world. And I'm not trying to say God is not concerned for you. He loves you. He's concerned about every little detail in your life. He is concerned about your little world. But he wants you to get beyond that little world. He wants you to have an impact and influence on others. So that's where it all begins. If we don't start here, nothing's ever going to happen. We have to start thinking differently about what it means to be a Christian, what it means to be the church, that it means to walk as Jesus walked. It means to be intentional and deliberate by making a choice that I'm going to now begin to regard. I'm going to let lead in my thoughts, in my mind, that winning people to Christ is the most important thing in my life. Therefore, I'm going to be focusing on other people. That's going to be my goal to reach them. That's where it all begins. Look at the second point. And, and it just naturally follows the first. I have to free myself to become involved with lost people. In other words, if I'm going to say this is the most important thing in my life, this is going to be my focus, this is going to be my goal now, then it's obvious I'm going to have to free myself to become involved with lost people. Look at verses 6 in the first part of verse 7. It's talking about Jesus who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, circle that word emptied, taking the form of a bondservant. I would encourage you to circle that word taking. Let me, let me just give you an interesting Greek grammar lesson. The word taking there is genomai in the Greek text. 
It's an aorist participle. I don't want to get too technical here with you, but this is important for you to understand. In Greek grammar, one of the rules is, is that the action of an aorist participle precedes the action of the leading verb. So, in other words, what's the leading verb in this verse? That he emptied himself. That's the heart of this verse. That Jesus, in heaven, God himself, was willing to empty himself of all of his rights to become a man so that he could embrace you and I, he could identify with you and I, so that he could die for you and I. That's the leading verb. But notice, it followed his decision of what? Taking the form of a bondservant. In other words, because there was that intentional, deliberate choice on the part of God that our eternal souls were more important than anything else, it was obvious then that he would have to empty himself to accomplish the work of salvation, to die for the penalty of our sin on Calvary's cross and to rise again, to not only cancel out our sin debt, but to impute his righteousness to those who believe on him, put their trust in him as we follow him. Now, look at the application, because I don't want to make this complicated. I want this to be very simple. I want this to be very pragmatic. To choose to be a fisherman requires becoming equipped and making the time to go fishing for men. In other words, this is so obvious, it's almost silly. If I've made a deliberate and intentional choice that other people, their eternal souls are more important than Andy Merritt, And therefore, they are now my focus. They are now my, my goal. That's my goal in life, to bring other people to Jesus Christ. Isn't it fairly obvious that if that's true, then I'm going to will, be willing to do anything to become equipped to accomplish that, and I'm going to make the time to do that? Let me just give you a silly example. A lot of y'all know I've shared with you my past testimony. And, you know, early in my life, prior to coming to know Christ, uh, a good part of my life evolved around athletics, especially football. And I can tell you, folks, as a middle schooler, when I made that intentional, deliberate decision that football was the most important thing to me, this was going to be my focus and goal, it changed my entire life. You know, beginning at that point, Three, and I'm not embellishing, 365 days a year, at a minimum, I put two to three hours a day into my craft. I mean, I was fanatical. It, it, it determined the things I ate. It impacted my diet, impacted my sleep habits. Because, see, I'd made a decision that this is what I wanted to be, this is who I was, and therefore, it, it, it colored everything. It impacted everything. It, that's, I saw all of life through that filter. Uh, you say you want to be a good student. And, and that's an intentional, deliberate choice. Isn't that going to impact your life? If you're going to be a good student, that means you're going to have to take, make the time to what? To study, to have good grades. Or how about these soldiers? You know, I think of our rangers that are deployed right now. Those guys made an intentional, deliberate decision that I want to be a part of the ranger community. And do you think they just walked into it and because they wanted to be a ranger, 
They got the little tab on their hand and, and knowing what, no. First they had to qualify, and then there was training after training after training. They never stopped training. You know, you know that. And all these, it's true of all these soldiers. So, you know, if, if you make that decision to be a soldier, it's going to involve quipping. It's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to involve, involve you determining this is the way I'm going to use my time. This is what I'm going to commit myself to. And we, we could go on and on with it, but it's just this simple. If the eternal souls of people are truly the most important thing to us, if it truly is the mo- if that truly is going to be the focus and goal of my life, it's obvious I'm going to make the time. I'm going to make the time to get involved with lost people. I'm going to make the time to get invested with them. I'm going to make the time to get to know them, to get to understand them, to begin to relate to them because that's my goal. That's my focus. That's my aim in life. Acts 20, 24, we looked at this last week, but I just remind you of it. I think this would be a wonderful theme verse for any believer, but my life is worth nothing to me, Paul said. My life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. Yes, worship is important. Yes, fellowship is important. And of course, we evangelize that others will, might what, worship Jesus. That's the ultimate goal, of course, His honor, His glory, that we develop a community that Jesus is our first love, greatest treasure, and we give Him the praise and adoration that He alone deserves. But that even there pushes us to evangelize. We talked about this last week. You know, when we get to heaven, you're still going to worship, you're still going to have fellowship, but you would have lost your chance to evangelize, right? This is our only opportunity to tell lost people about Jesus and win them to the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Great Commission says what? Well, you sum up the Great Commission, two words, go and tell. Again, we talked about this last week. What do fishermen say? I am going fishing. In other words, they not only get equipped, but they make the time to get involved in their craft. And again, the same thing. We're just back to that. If I begin to think different about who I am, what the church is, and the eternal souls of other people are more important than my own welfare, that's to be the focus and goal of my life, it's very, very obvious, then that's going to impact the direction of my life. It's going to impact how I think about people, how I begin to relate to people. I'm going to see them as object of God's love potential believers, and I'm going to be asking God to give me that opportunity to build that relationship, to provide opportunities to share more with them. Look at the third and the last point there in your sermon notes. Again, logical uh, sequence here, then I'm going to connect with lost people. I'm going to connect with lost people in sustained and sacrificial relational ministry to win them to Christ. So again, here I am, I'm a believer. I'm committed to following Jesus Christ. Jesus says, okay, Andy, follow me, Andy, and I'll make you a fisher of men. I say, Lord, I'm scared. I I don't know. Just like Peter. I don't know. I can't ever see myself doing this. Andy, didn't you just hear me? Follow me, 
and I, I'll do it. I will make you a fisherman. All I'm asking you to do is be obedient. So then I begin to realize, okay, to follow Jesus is to be like Jesus, begin to think like Jesus thinks. And so as we've already seen, I begin to realize this is the way Jesus thinks. Others are more important than himself. They're eternal souls. He loved me so much that he came. So how can I not love others as he loved me? So I begin to realize, hey, wait a minute. I I need to begin thinking different. I I have to begin walking like Jesus walked. I I need to begin to realize my focus and goal needs to be on reaching others for Jesus Christ. So I, I begin praying, if nothing else, God, help me. I don't know how. Just help me. You said you would. You said you would. And then I begin to realize, okay, if that's the way, if that's my goal, I begin to free myself. I begin to take opportunities that, that, that come my way to get equipped in this area. I begin to look for opportunities to relate to lost people. And that brings us to this third point, connecting with lost people in sustained and sacrificial relational ministry to win them to Christ. Philippians 2, 7 and 8, being made in the likeness of men... And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. I'm to follow my Lord. Circle the phrase, being found. Being found. In the Greek text, that, that phrase literally signifies entrance into a new state of life. In other words, Jesus was willing to make a change. He was willing to get out of his comfort zone. He was willing to leave the glories of heaven, as we mentioned. Come to the ghettos of this sin-cursed world for our salvation. In other words, Jesus took the initiative. Jesus came to us. Because it's obvious we would have never what? Come to him in our lost state. So, what's the application? Look there in your notes. I have to start going to lost people. This has to become, start to be my focus, my goal. Building relationships, there's the key, building relationships with lost people and earning their respect is the most effective way to gain a receptive hearing of the gospel. Building relationships with lost people And earning their respect is the most effective way to gain receptive hearing of the gospel. Take your Bibles real quick. We don't have time to linger on this. 1 Thessalonians 2, just want to simply read the verses for you. What an example of relational evangelism that the apostle Paul used. We've been, you know, we we went all the way through 1 Thessalonians uh, last summer, 2 Thessalonians this summer. And we saw the uh, tremendous witness that this church had. And, of course, Paul was the one that was used to bring them to Christ, to birth the church. And notice that he used a relational evangelism. Look at verse 5 and just follow. We'll read through verse 13. He said, for we never came... He's talking about when he initially came to Thessalonica with flattering speeches, you know, nor were the pretext for greed, God is witness, nor did we seek glory from men, either from you or from others, even though as apostles of Christ, we might have asserted our authority, but notice verse 7 now, but we proved to be gentle among you as a nursing mother 
tenderly cares for her own children. Having thus a fond affection for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel, but also our own lives, because you had become very dear to us. Verse 9, for you recall, brethren, our labor and our hardship, how working night and day so as not to be a burden to any of you, we proclaim to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and so is God, how devoutly and uprightly and blamelessly, there's that example, we behave toward you believers. Just as you know, we were exhorting and encouraging and imploring each one of you as a father would his own children. Notice, in this passage, he says we became like a what? A nursing mother tenderly caring for her children, and we became like a daddy to you, like a father to encourage you, to implore you, to come along your side, to walk with you, to get to know you, to share your burdens, to bring you to the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 12, and this was his purpose. I did all of that for what purpose? I I made you my focus. I made you my goal. You became important. You became dear. And I I wanted to make that connection. I wanted to get to know you, relate to you. Why? So that you may walk in a manner worthy of the God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. And for this reason, we also constantly thank God that when you received from us the word of God's message, you accepted it. Not as the word of men, but for what it is, what it really is, the word of God, which also performs its work in you who believe. See, Paul realized if I'm going to follow Jesus Christ, if I'm going to follow the Christian truth out to its logical conclusion, then I'm going to have to become intentional, deliberate, put my focus on others. That's the goal of my life. How can I connect? How can I get to know them? How can I begin to build relationships? So that in those relationships, they're able to see the authenticity of my Christianity. And as they see that authenticity, that's going to raise opportunities for me to give them the reason for the hope that's within me. The reason I'm different. The reason I've been changed. And to share Jesus Christ with them. You know, uh, here's a good example of this principle. Uh, Love Indeed weekend, we had Highland Church with us, one of our mission churches. Robert, the pastor, and his wife, Carrie. It's incredible the impact that church has had on that community. And you know how difficult that work is. They're reaching basically homeless people, folks with drug and alcohol addictions, dysfunctional families, I think we shared with you when this work first started, it had the highest crime rate of any area in the Bi-City area. Now it is almost non-existent in that area. And we praise God for the impact, for the light, the witness that church has had. And you ask why. Now there are many, many reasons. But let me tell you a key that laid the foundation, and it was simply this. Robert, the pastor, and his wife, Carrie, they realized the only way we can effectively minister to this community and the people that live here is to become one of them. And so what did they did? They took their children and they moved into that community. They took one of those old dilapidated houses, which now folks out of great kindness has done a lot of work on, and they, they have a uh, God's given them more than adequate home. Uh, 
And they're so thankful for that. But they realize we have to make this community's problems our problems. The challenges of this community got to be our challenges. And as we build those relationships, as we make that connection, that's going to provide the platform to make Christ known uh, to them. You know, whether it's the military community or whether it's these community kids that are coming in on a Tuesday and Wednesday nights to play basketball or whatever community is, cross-country plaza or Sears Woods down here or whatever. Again, you say, you say, where are we to reach out to as a church? All you got to do is look in a mirror. See, this church is not this building. It's you. It's me. So all we got to ask, where do we reside? Where do we live? Because, again, that's our fishing pond. And so, for example, if these community kids coming in, we've had as many as 50 on Wednesday nights, are their eternal souls important to Edgewood Baptist Church? These black kids, is, are they important to Edgewood Baptist Church? Then if it is, we're going to make them our focus. We're going to make them our goal. We're going to say, God, show us how to connect with these kids. I don't know how right now. They seem like they're coming out of a different culture, different world than me. But see, that deliberate, intentional decision to me, I want to know these kids. I want to know how they think. I want to learn what's important to them. I want to begin to build relationships with them. Or again, whether it's the military community, learning the military, understanding their trials and adversities, coming along their side. And we could just go on and on and on with examples. And let me, let me just close with those last concluding statements there. Embrace lost people with acceptance which makes them feel secure with you. These are just three very practical points. Embrace lost people with acceptance, which makes them feel secure with you. In other words, when I say embrace them with acceptance, it doesn't mean that you're going to necessarily condone everything they do, but you want to demonstrate to them there's nothing you can do that would stop me from loving you. I accept you right where you are, just as you are, to love you, whether you change or not, whether you ever come to know my Jesus, I love you because you're an eternal soul that Jesus Christ died for. And folks, when people feel your love, they're often much more willing, what, to hear the truth. And it makes them feel secure with you when they know that they can be themselves with you. Look at the second thing. Embrace lost people with appreciation, which makes them feel liked by you. In other words, look for areas where you can express sincere, genuine appreciation, where you actually get to like these individuals with their difficulties and their struggles and all. And then third, embrace lost people with availability, which makes them feel important. You make yourselves available to whoever's important to you. So if lost people are going to be important to us, we need to make ourselves available to them and get connected in sustained sacrificial ministry. And this is especially true when adversity comes. In other words, God's put you there in that neighborhood. He's put you in that office. He's put you with that unit out in the on base. You know, or, or the student at school. Keep your eyes open. Look for opportunities to build. Re- and then when those individuals go through hard times, come along their side. Let them know, I care. I love you. How can I help? In, share, that's those times share your testimony. You know, I can understand. I, I went through a similar 
time in my life where I got down, I was hurt, I was mad. I was, and then share with them what God did for you, how he brought you through that. Just simply share again your testimony. That's the bait, how Christ has changed your life. And then look at that last verse. 1 Corinthians 9, 22, this is Paul. I have become all things to all men that, by, by, uh, that I may by all means, what? Save some. Now, again, you understand what that verse means. It doesn't mean that Paul ever compromised the truth. What he's talking about here is sustained, sacrificial, relational ministry. Paul is saying, I am committed to connecting with lost people. I'm committed to investing in their lives and getting involved, getting to know them, getting to understand them, to be able to identify with them so that through that relationship, I'll have the opportunity to share Christ with them. So as we conclude the message, where does it begin, family of God? Thinking different. We have to start thinking different and not just going through life as a routine. See, that's what many of us are doing. We're, Christianity is more a routine to endure than a relationship to enjoy, where it's a continual adventure, joyous adventure, following Jesus Christ into a lost world to connect with what. And yes, it's scary. And yes, he's going to say, put out into the deep waters where we've never gone before. And we, and we feel so inadequate. And he says, but you just do what I tell you, and I'll take care of the rest. And you'll be a fisher of men. Amen? Father, help us. Help us to apply this truth. And Lord, that key word this morning is intentional. We acknowledge. All of us, all, all we have to do is look at our own lives. All I have to do is look at my own life. And I've realized if I do not become intentional in this area, it simply won't happen. And even as we've come to this My Hope time, I realized myself, as pastor of this church, I had virtually no connections with lost people. Virtually all my relationships, all my connections were with believers. And that's a wonderful thing. Of course, we're saying nothing's wrong with that. Lord, I acknowledge, and I ask you to forget, it is wrong. When we stop thinking as Christ thinks. Because there's no way you can deny that Christ put the eternal souls of lost people above his own welfare. We cannot deny this became the focus and the goal of his life. And we cannot deny to follow Jesus is to become a fisher of men. To follow Jesus is to begin to think as he thought. To begin to look upon lost people as important. That being the focus goal. Looking for opportunities, looking for opportunities, seizing those opportunities to connect, trusting as we do that you'll open the doors, you'll provide the opportunities. For it's in Christ's name we do pray, amen. You know, as we come to the invitation, I I hope as believers, you've really heard the simplicity of this message. You know, I'm I'm not trying to give you a formula. I'm I'm simply saying this. This is my... If we would start thinking different, being intentional and deliberate, that lost people need to become most important, that being our focus and goal, and then just simply begin to pray, God, help me begin to build relationships. 
I've said so many times from this point, I, 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 and I challenge you, I cannot, I guarantee any person that's intentional and deliberate, that begins to pray this way, that begins to focus this way, God's going to provide opportunity He's, because He loves these folks more than you love them. If we would just start thinking this way, focusing this way, praying this way, God will open the doors. He'll provide the opportunities. And the best way to learn fishing is what? Going fishing. It's just through experience, relating to lost people, getting connected with lost people, looking for those opportunities. And then as you begin to build the relationships, I guarantee, again, He's going to open the door for you to share, for them to see the difference in your life and to provide opportunity for you to give them the reason that you're different, that Jesus is in you, and how Jesus can change them through a personal relationship. And, of course, Andy mentioned, you know, there are lost people here this morning. And if, if you're here and you do not know Jesus Christ, let me cast the net out. Uh, Jesus loves you. He loves you so much that he was willing to leave his comfort zone. He was willing to leave heaven. And he came to this earth to do for you what you could not do for yourself, and that is to pay off your sin debt before God. That sin debt that separates you from God in this life and through all eternity in hell. And when Jesus died on the cross, your sins were placed on him. He became who you are. He became guilty of what you've done, what you failed to do. And he died for the penalty of your sin. He canceled your sin debt out. And he rose again, and Jesus Christ is alive. He rose again as Lord and Savior of all. And if you would simply turn to him, put your trust in who he is, the Son of God who died for you, making your heart his home as you invite him in, to forgive you of your sins, to take control of your life, for you to follow him. Again, he will forgive you. And not only will he cancel out your sin debt, he'll put on your account all his righteousness to establish your relationship with God.